Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus our Savior walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. Luke 22 and 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Now the death of Jesus had occurred around the Passover time. The annual celebration of the time of the lambs had been slain in Egypt. That's when they slayed the lambs. Oh, imagine that. Here comes the Lamb of God. He's going to be slain when? Passover. Isn't that something? God spared the Israelites at Passover, but punished the Egyptians. Now, the religious leaders were afraid of the people because they were following Jesus. They were afraid of them. Now, remember the question about that coin. When they said, whose coin is this? They asked Jesus with that question, designed to trap him. They wanted to find a way to get the people mad at him so that they could arrest him in such a way that wouldn't get the people mad at them. They wanted to keep the people at bay because they made money off of them. They needed these people to like them. They used these people, the people, to fatten their wallets. So they tried to develop that coin trick to get Jesus to answer a question. And also in understanding this is that when you love money, you despise God. Americans always get hurt when you say that. When you love money, you despise God. You cannot serve both. And so when Satan entered Judas, he was willing to betray Jesus for money. You know, like I said, if you love money, then walking away from Jesus is no problem. And this is especially tough on us men. The man thought process, maybe some of you women too, but I'm speaking on behalf of the guys. We're notorious for this. We think like this. If I could just make a little more money, I could fix my problems. That's what we do. Just a little bit more money and I can fix everything. And then we try to scratch and claw our way up there. We can't quite get it. And if we do get up there, we just get, what, more problems, okay? It just doesn't end. If you love God, you'll have no problem being a giver of money and releasing money. But if you love your money, you'll have no problem walking away from Jesus Christ. And like I said, Satan went into that blind rage situation here. In Hebrews 2 and 14, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. This is bad for Satan. 
Now, you might recall in Luke 13, 31, he was headed to Jerusalem. The Pharisees said, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. Don't go to Jerusalem. Herod's after you. But Jesus responded by saying he was going to continue his journey to Jerusalem. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Now, in thinking of this event, Satan was trying to keep Jesus from the cross. Satan knows the prophecies about Jesus going to die on the cross. But now here, Satan has entered into Judas and is going to betray Jesus and actually help in Jesus' prosecution towards putting him to death. Interesting concept here. So, like I said, he goes into that blind rage. He just loses his temper. He's going to get Jesus in this situation where he's arrested and betrayed, and then he's going to have Jesus beat. We've got to remember, God's word is infallible. It is inerrant, meaning it has no errors. It has no contradictions in it. And if you think you see one, oh, that's a contradiction right there. I'll tell you where the contradiction's at. The contradiction is right here. It's not in the pages. It's in your head. And I promise you, if you will give it some honest research and read into it and see what's there, you'll find out, oh, that's how it worked. There's no contradiction at all. So, like I was saying... If on one hand, you don't understand why was Satan trying to keep Jesus from Jerusalem, but now on the other hand, he's wanting to kill him. The understanding in that is that Satan went into blind rage, and now he wants to do as much damage to the Son of God as he can. It's not a contradiction. You know, I have pushed all my chips in, and I have put my eternal destiny on the fact that the Word of God is true. If I can't trust part of it, I can't trust any of it. And so the Word of God is true. So as we read... Why is he trying to kill him here and prevent him from going there? Well, that's not a problem in the Scripture. That's a problem with Satan. He doesn't make sense sometimes, all right? Sometimes I don't make sense, all right? (laughs) But anyway, that's just something I wanted to convey. I have bet my eternal destiny that the Word of God is true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He absolutely is, and amen. Luke 22 and verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, which means look, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there make ready so they went and found it just as he had said to them and they prepared the passover even you know even as jesus was about to be killed he's still doing miraculous things he told peter and john exactly what they would find when they went about the preparations of the passover it kind of reminds me when he told them to go find that colt to ride into jerusalem on go over here there's gonna be a colt ask the guy that say hey look the lord needs it Jesus just knows. He's the Messiah. He's God in flesh. That's what's amazing. Now, it would have been easy, it would have been very easy to recognize a man carrying water in this day and age. Why? Because it was usually the women were the ones who usually went to fetch water for their households. You may remember the the Samaritan woman at the well. She was there to get water. That's what the women did. It was part of their household duties. So he goes, go out and look. You'll find a man carrying water. Well, that's not going to be hard to find. We'll see him easy. So they were then to go with him and tell the owner that the teacher needed to use the guest room to eat the Passover. You know, it only leads me to think that the owner of this house must have been a believer also to be able to receive this from the disciples, to just show up like that. Teacher needs to use your house. Okay, come in. 
I mean, you've got to think that this man had to somewhat be preconditioned as a believer. It makes you wonder, what miracle did Jesus give to this owner beforehand, before the disciples showed up? Was it uh, in a dream? Or did a messenger come and tell him to do this? Hey, you're going to have some disciples show up tomorrow when you're carrying water. And they're going to need to use your house. I, I don't know. It just makes me, it just makes me think about these kind of things. But whatever the case, it's awesome to see how God works among other people. Other people. And you know what? He still operates like that today. As you go through the journey of your life, of a disciple of Jesus, God is able to put other believers in your path who will help you with the call that God has put on your life. You may be thinking right now, I don't know how I'm going to do this thing that I have to do. I have no idea. And then all of a sudden you'll bump into somebody or, or a series of people that God has placed there and he's communicated to them. When that guy with the blue shirt shows up, I want you to tell him this and, and such things. And I've, I've been through situations like that before. And it's amazing. It's miraculous. And these things do happen. So don't feel like you're just walking alone through, through life. Well, Ray, I feel fine when I'm here at church. When I go to work, that's just me by myself. I'm all alone. No, you're not. God has other people everywhere, and he will send them to help you. Way back when I wasn't even aware of my calling, God put a lot of people in my path, lots of people. God's people will continue to help me in the future, and I'll be able to help others in God's will too. Same goes for all of us. I can't stress it enough how important it is to be plugged into the body of Christ. Plug into the body of Christ. You need the fellowship. And not just you, but the people you know are going to need it from you too. You know, if you, I've always heard this, that if you remove a red hot coal from a burning lump of coals, what happens? That coal goes cold. And I tried that the other day. We had a fire pit in the backyard when uh, Stevie and Emma were getting married. We had a little party for them. And I had all those coals going. I was trying to keep the fire hot. And I'm like, I know it'll do it, but I just want to watch it. <laughs> so I reached in there with the tongs and I took a nice red hot piece of coal. I mean, that sucker was going. I took it and I set it off to itself in the fire pit and the rest of them, the big, the bunches of coals, they kept burning and burning and burning. And that lone coal, what did it do? Went out. It went right out. You got to be plugged into the body of Christ. You got to be in the body of Christ. My friend is a fireman. He went through Bible college with me and he was talking about something. I, I don't remember what it was. It's something I did here. And he goes, oh, Ray, you've been putting out fires in the ministry. I said, at my church, we don't put fires out. We start them. You know, and he thought it was, he laughed at that. So anyway, but there's too many Christians who are not involved with the body of Christ. They think it's enough to just go, Jesus, Lord, thank you and pray before meals. And they think that's it. You know what? If you're not obeying Jesus, is he your Lord? Jesus asked that question. Why do you call me Lord? and You don't do the things I tell you to. We've got to be doing the things he said to do. Too many Christians are not involved with the body of Christ. They wonder why they have the problems that they have. I can't tell you how many people call me on the phone or email or whatever. Oh, Ray, this is going on. Why is this happening? The first thing I want to say is, well, hang on a second. Where have you been the last four weeks? Haven't seen you. You want to come over to my house and we'll stand around the fire pit and talk a little bit? <laughs> I'll show you something. I'll pull that coal off and show you where you are. Be in the Word. Abide in Jesus, be in the fellowship, and you will have help in the journey of your life. That's what's going on with the disciples here, is going to see this man. 
I want to show you in John 8, 31, it's a very pivotal passage for me that really helped change me when I was undergoing my change in the Lord. John 8, 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if, that's an if, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If what? If you abide in my word. I know everybody knows John three sixteen. I know that everybody knows David killed Goliath. Noah floated on a boat. Jesus died on a cross. Eh, I'm a Christian. He says, abide in the word. Abide means you've got to stay there. Live in it. Eat it. Breathe it. Abide. Then you are my disciples. I used to be one of those non-reading Christians. I didn't have a clue of righteousness from a hole in the ground. And my life was full of a mess. I had no testimony because I couldn't show anybody who Jesus was because there was no victory in my life. Abide in the word, you'll be my disciple, he said. Do you want to be a true believer? Abide in his word. It means you don't just pick it up on Sunday for a short read. You live it. It becomes like air. You have to have it in order to go on. So like I said, if you want to be provided for like these disciples are, then abide in his word. Now, some people, they try to make up for God's word with money, like I was saying about us men. They try to make it up with money. Well, I can fix all this stuff with more money. Money can't provide you things that the Lord can. It can't. I want to live like these disciples here. I want to know that as I go along in my life, that God is going to have my needs met. And when God meets your needs, He does it for free. Quit saying, if I just made more money, I could fix it. God will do it for nothing. Luke 22 and 14, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, about this covenant, Jesus taught that his death would mean the beginning of the new covenant. The new covenant. The old covenant that God had established, it required obedience to the law of Moses. To the law of Moses. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, he had predicted there'd be a time when God would make a new covenant with the nation of Israel. And I want to show you that because that's what Jesus is instituting here is the new covenant. Way back in Jeremiah 31, in verse 31, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now Jesus came to fulfill the law of Moses, not abolish it. That's what a lot of the Jews misunderstood. They thought he was trying to get rid of the law. That's what made him mad. He wasn't there to get rid of it. He was there to fulfill it in him. Now, the law had required animal sacrifice 
for covering of sins. But with the new covenant, Jesus spilled his own blood as our ultimate sacrifice, not just to cover our sins up, but to take them away. Now, remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who covers. No, that's not what he said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They're gone. They're not covered. I remember one time I was told, hey, would you sweep up the floor? And I don't want to take it out. You sweep it under the rug, right? You lay that rug down and nobody will find that. Don't look at me like that. You've done it. Come on. Anyway, that's kind of the difference. He didn't just sweep it under the rug where it was still there. He actually got rid of it. He took the garbage out. It's gone. That's what's neat about being forgiven in Jesus Christ is that it is out of here. Now, the old covenant was written in stone, but the new covenant is written on our hearts, in our inner man. I want you to notice in Luke, in Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus takes the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now that we are under the new covenant, we are not under the penalty of law. We are now given the opportunity to receive salvation as a free gift in grace, in grace. Hebrews 9 and 15 And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. That means you get saved now. That means you get saved. Y'all remember back in Luke 16, I'm going to take a brief detour. You remember Luke 16. In Luke 16, we read about Lazarus and the rich man. They went to a place, there's a place of torment over here, there's a place of comfort over here, and it was divided by a deep chasm, and they could actually talk to each other, okay? That's where believers and unbelievers went before Jesus died, okay? They had to wait. They couldn't go straight to the Father. Jesus told the thief on the cross, when will you be in paradise with me? He said, today. He goes, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So if Jesus died and took with him the thief to paradise that day, But then skip one, two, three days later, he rises from the grave. Mary Magdalene sees him. She goes to grab him and he goes, don't touch me. Don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father. I saw a problem in that timeline. Well, where have you been for three days if it wasn't with the father? It was down in that place of paradise where the rich man was in the flame. So that was what happened in the old covenant. The sin wasn't gone yet. It was just under the rug. So the people were held, the believers were held in a place of comfort, but even they still had to wait for Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross to make the way straight to the Father. If I showed up at your house with mud up to my neck, you would not let me in. If you're having a big party and everybody was here and I looked in the door and I said, well, you let them in. You're like, yeah, they're clean. You can't come in. I want you to come in. Well, do you not love me? I mean, they're in, so let me in. Yeah, whoa, 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 hang on. I love you, but you can't come in like that. You got to get cleaned up. You get cleaned up, yeah, you can come on in. If you ain't got a way to get cleaned up, I'll give you a way to get cleaned up. And that's what God said to us. I want you here, but you can't come in with that sin all over you. So they had to wait until Jesus went to the cross. Then they had a way to get cleaned up. Then they could go to the, the Father in heaven. So that was kind of a, that's my little spin on Old Covenant, New Covenant. Now under the New Covenant, we've had the Lamb of God who takes away, not covers up, takes away the sins of the world. Now, when we perish, we get to go straight on. How cool is that? 
Now the bread, he said, the bread and the fruit of the vine, he's talking about, was given to show that Jesus' body and blood were necessary to institute the new covenant, this new covenant that we're under. Jesus' final teaching about the kingdom occurred at this Passover feast here. And it's awesome to think about what Passover is. Passover is while Israel was afflicted in Egypt, those who had the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost, they painted it around on the doorpost, death did not come into their house. They were protected. The Lord, it, He passed over that. That's why it's called Passover. Death passed over those who had the blood on their doors. Today, the Lamb of God, who is Jesus, is on the doorpost of my heart. And so the penalty of eternal death passes over me. And likewise, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord, it passes over you. Because you've got the blood of Christ on you. Passes over you. I've got the blood of Christ on me. My sins have been taken away. They're not just swept under a rug. They're gone. Awesome. Praise God. Now, Jesus announced this was the last Passover, that he would eat with them until all that it means would find fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And many events in the Old Testament, including the Passover, it pointed towards Jesus' ministry. It pointed that direction towards him. The things that Jesus preached about, the Passover pointed directly at Jesus Christ. When his kingdom would arrive, the Passover would be filled, for God would have brought his people safely into their rest. I'm in the rest of Jesus Christ. The Lord has rest for you. Do you feel like you just don't get any rest? I don't mean going to sleep at night. I'm talking about overall in life. Do you need rest? If you just feel like I just don't get any rest, oh, and you're just always uptight, you need to let it go to the Lord because he took that on the cross for you. Let it go. Enter into his rest. Israel entered into God's rest. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt and into their own land. They entered into his rest. And so let's remember our God of comfort. Enter into his rest. Let go of that frustration. Well, Ray, how's it supposed to, my problems, how do they get done if I'm not tending to it? Well, maybe that's the problem. You've been trying to tend to it and you can't do it. You haven't let the Lord take it yet. Let him do it. I guarantee you he'll show you something in that. And so Jesus here, he's now having good fellowship with those who believed in him as the Messiah. And to think that after this long, long journey, this long ministry of three years, so many people rejected him as the Messiah. You're not the Messiah. Prove it. On what basis, what authority do you have to say this or do this? He'd been having all that all this time. Now he's just having a Passover, good fellowship. He's having fellowship with those who accepted him, except for one guy. Oh, it's always got to be one, doesn't it? Here we go. Luke 22 and 21. He says, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Thanks for listening today, and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv, and mail, Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now 
at 713-624-0943. That's 713-624-0943. Keep watching for Messiah Jesus. This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.